Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special topical study of the Holy Spirit, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. 2 Corinthians 2.11 I don't want you to be ignorant Concerning the tactics of the devil and Satan, Romans chapter 11, verse 25. I don't want you to be ignorant concerning the future of Israel. First Corinthians 10, first Thessalonians four, second Corinthians two, Romans 11. And here in first Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant of spiritual gifts. Paul didn't want them to be ignorant in the areas of Old Testament prophecy and typology, the coming of the Lord, the tactics of the enemy, Israel and Bible prophecy and spiritual gifts. And isn't it interesting, the very thing that Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant over, we, the church, are most ignorant of in these five areas. Look at verse two and three. There were rumors in the Corinthian church that someone was speaking in tongues and the interpretation of the tongues was blasphemous. And Paul says it's impossible for a person who is walking in the spirit and being led and speaking by the spirit to say that Jesus is a curse. In other words, no one praises the Lord by the power of the devil. In other words, only through the spirit can a person honestly say Jesus is Lord. And if someone says Jesus is cursed, he doesn't have the spirit. And he isn't speaking by the Spirit. He isn't a Christian. Listen, just because you say you're just because you say you're a Christian doesn't make you a Christian. You know that. Matthew chapter seven, verse twenty-one through twenty-three. Jesus said it like this: Not everyone who says to me, "Lord, Lord," shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, "Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name?" And then I will declare to them, "I never knew you." Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Just because you say you're a Christian and even hold a title doesn't mean you're a Christian and speaking by the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. I think of this true story, listen, of this Episcopal bishop, and his name is John Spawn, who wrote these blasphemous words. There is no God eternal to life. The Bible is not the word of God in any literal or verbal sense. It never has been. The Gospels are not the inerrant works divinely authorized by the Holy Spirit. All evangelism and missionary activities designed to convert the heathen are expressions of our sense of superiority and hostility toward those who are different. I would choose to know rather than worship a deity that required a sacrifice of his own son. Those are sad words, aren't they? Many pastors, unfortunately, in denominations would agree with these comments. Many leaders in various denominations deny the resurrection. They deny the virgin birth. They deny the deity of Jesus Christ. And yet they call themselves Christians. Listen, if you don't believe, let me say boldly, let me say flat-footedly. 
If you don't believe in the fundamental doctrines of the Christian faith, the blood, the cross, the deity of Jesus, the Holy Spirit that comes to live in all those who accept Jesus as Savior, the death and bodily resurrection of Jesus, and the return of Jesus. If you don't believe those things, you are not a Christian. You are not a Christian. And it's obvious that the Holy Spirit isn't at work in your life. How do you know if someone is a Christian or not? Real simple. Can you say from your heart this morning that Jesus is Lord? Do you believe that he died for your sins? Do you believe that he rose again and that he is God in the flesh? And if you believe these things, you cannot say this unless you're led by the Spirit. Are y'all getting that? You, those words cannot, Jesus is Lord, cannot come across your lips if the Spirit of God is not in you. You won't say it. It won't come out of your mouth unless it is led and directed by the Holy Spirit. Look at verse four through six. We've got to move forward. These, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are diverse gifts. The ministries are different and the activities are diverse, but it's the same spirit and the same Lord, the same God doing the work through the gifts. In other words, I may possess a certain gift of the spirit, and you may possess the same gift, and yet it may operate in my life different than it does in your life. Now, don't get this confused. Let's talk about this. There is a difference. Look at me. Give me your attention, please. There is a difference between spiritual gifting and natural talents. Let's talk about that. We all know people with natural talents, don't we? We all know people that are good with woodworking. Uh, I, I, I wish I was. I'm not. Um, you know, good with woodworking. I, I, I've never built a birdhouse. I've told you that. I always wanted to build a birdhouse. I don't know why I wanted to build a birdhouse. And because uh, I think in my head, a birdhouse is like the easiest thing to build, except the cross maybe, but a birdhouse. So I went to a friend's house one night for dinner, my wife and I, and they invited us over. And he says, he says, you never built a birdhouse, have you? I said, no, never have, you know. He said, I tell you what, after dinner tonight, we're going to build a birdhouse. So after dinner, we go out, and he's got all his stuff set up, everything set up. He's got the wood saw and the wood and everything all set up, and, and we're going to build a birdhouse. I am ex- excited because I never built a birdhouse. I want to build a birdhouse, and I'm from Philly. I, I don't even know if i ever seen a birdhouse prior to, <laughs> but, uh, or a bird for that matter. But I want to build a birdhouse. I'm so excited. We're going. We're going to build a birdhouse. My first birdhouse in my life. First thing I ever built in my life. I'm going to do it tonight. So we go out there. He's got everything set up. He takes a few pieces of wood, put them together. And then the first saw he made. Mom, Cindy, do you remember that? The first saw he made. He went just like that and cut his finger. I know. And I said, darn, there goes my birdhouse. No, just kidding. (laughs) I went, no, 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 Spirit, I went, no, Lord, touch that finger, Lord, touch that, heal it in Jesus' name, and Lord, let us get back to that birdhouse, Lord, Jesus, can we, I never built a bird, some people have a natural gifting to build things, that is a natural gift, some people, they can make a sweater out of pocket lint, some people, amen, 
Amen. Some people are really good at quilting and sewing. Some people can take a group of strangers and make them into a team that's organizing. Most people have some kind of talent or another, but talents, listen, is not the same as spiritual gifts. Now, let me just say this before we go any further. James chapter 1, verse 17 tells us every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. So I believe whether it's a spiritual gift or a talent, if it's good, it comes from God. Am I right about that? What makes a spiritual gift different from a talent? What makes a spiritual gift different from a talent, if you're taking those, write this down, is the source of power and the direction of end result. The source of power and the direction of end result. What makes a spiritual gift different than a natural talent is where does the source of power come from and who owns the results? A spiritual gift is empowered by the Holy Spirit and the end result is glory to God. A talent is not empowered by the spirit and the end result is self. A talent can be used for good or bad. It's the person's choice. A talent can be used at the discretion of a person possessing the talent. A talent can be used to advocate abstinence or legalize abortion. A spiritual gift is empowered by the Holy Spirit. A spiritual gift will always be used as directed by the Holy Spirit. Are you listening? And there's no choosing involved. It's not the person's choice, it's the spirit. A spiritual gift will often work through a talent or ability. A person's natural talent means that they are just good at what they do and they own the results. Spiritual gifts means you may not be that good at what you do, but God is enabling you and the power of the most high God has come upon you and given you the ability to do what it is you do. And the end result is to God be the glory. Great things he has done. I'm a witness to that. I'm a witness to that. I'm a witness to that. I didn't prepare to be a pastor. I didn't go to seminary. I didn't study to become a pastor. Not only that, but you can't prepare for this. Huh? This is a calling, y'all. You cannot get ready for this. You can't study enough. You can't study homiletics and hermeneutics and you understand all these things and the art of preaching and you get up and you start preaching. That doesn't make it effective. What makes preaching effective is the anointing from God. What makes preaching effective is that the Spirit of God breathes life into the Word of God. That's what makes preaching effective. So people have often asked me, uh, hey, well, you know, great sermon. What did you think about the sermon? Some really close friends. What do you think about the sermon? Yeah, I, I, I don't know what I think about the sermon. I tell you what, I, I, I'll know about it when, when, when the Spirit of God empowers it and, and, and works in people's lives and I see the end result to God be the glory, great things he has done. A good sermon had nothing to do with the preacher. A good sermon had nothing to do with the mouth that it's coming out of. God will enable you to do what God has called you to do. Y'all ain't hearing me. And God gets the credit. Because you'll know what you're doing. I remember when God left the, one, I left the church. Left the church. He told me, he said, I'm leaving the church. I said, why? He said, because I don't think you know what you're doing. I said, duh, I don't. I'm leaving the church. I don't think you know what you're doing. I said, I don't. Lock the door behind you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Let the church say amen. amen. 
I don't. The Spirit of God does. I didn't prepare for this. It can't prepare for this. You can study and do your best, but you commit the rest to God. God will give you the ability to do what he called you to do. And even if you don't know what you're doing, you don't, it's a good thing I don't know what I'm doing. It's a good thing because sometimes when you know what you're doing, you mess it up. I ain't talking to nobody here. I know that. I'm talking about them. I'm talking about them, them folks. They mess it up. When you think you know what you're doing or when you graduated school, listen, ain't nothing worse than hearing a sermon. I'm going to say what y'all thinking. Ain't nothing worse than hearing a sermon and that person ain't got no anointing at all. Where you at? Don't do that. God ain't call you to preach. Don't. Amen. For the love of God, please don't. Don't do it. Let the Spirit of God move you to do this because this is a spiritual thing that God has called us to do. What is the purpose of the gifts? First Corinthians, write this down. First Corinthians 12, verse 7. The purpose of the gifts are so that everyone in the body might profit from the use of them. Also, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. In other words, God has given each of us gifts to use to bless other people. And when you don't use your spiritual gifts to bless other people, you're ripping them off. Rick Warren put it this way. He said, God gave me a gift, not for me, but for you. And God gave you a gift, not for you, but for me. If you don't use your gift, you're depriving me. If I don't use my gift, I'm robbing you. You see, we all have a gift. We all have a ministry. God has given us gifts, and it's important that we use those gifts to do the work of the ministry. And when we don't use our gifts, the body is handicapped and won't be doing what God created us to do, and we won't be what God intended us to be. The Bible teaches that we are the body of Christ. And just like a human body, there are many members, yet one body. We have hands, we have feet, toes, arms, legs, eyes, nose, ears, mouth. Many members, yet each member is a vital part of the other. The hand is important to the fingers. The toes are important to the feet. Every member has its specific place. And when a member gets out of place, there's problems and catastrophe in the body. Equally in the church, every member has their place. And it's important to function in the part of the body that God has called you. Don't try to function in another place of the body. It doesn't work. If God calls you to be a hand, then reach out and touch somebody. If God calls you to be a foot, then stand and be the balance. Don't try and function in someone else's ministry. Again, if God calls you to teach, absolutely, by all means, teach. But if God did not call you to teach, for the love of God, don't teach. Amen. Because you're not a blessing. Because you're functioning outside of something that God has called you to do. You will only be a blessing when you're doing what God has called you to do. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. Look at verse 6. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. Listen, God is into diversity. Can somebody say amen? Man is not, God is. In other words, there are different gifts given to different people, yet those gifts may operate in those different people in different ways. 
There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works in them all. Just look around. There's diversity and variety and mixture all around us. In God's creation, God is into diversity. And there's diversity in the body of Christ, yet one body. And each part of that body serves differently. And it's important to be in that part of the body and function where God has called you. You see, same is true for the church. Each church has a purpose. You know, we're into denominationalism. God is not into denominationalism. Don't you understand? Did you know Jesus wasn't denominational? Jesus wasn't denominational. He said, follow, who, who says? Me. He didn't say follow the Baptists. He didn't say follow the Pentecostals, the Presbyterians, the Lutherans, the Episcopalians, the AMEs, the Calvary Chapelites. He said, follow me. Jesus wasn't in denomination, and we shouldn't be denominational. Because I really believe in every denomination, every, listen to me, in every denomination, I believe there is a pocket or a remnant of believers within that denomination. And yes, you got the whole of it's all messed up, but in the pockets of believers in the Catholic faith and in the Presbyterian faith and in the Methodist faith, there are true believers because if you believe that Jesus is Lord and you believe that he died and rose again for your sins and you believe that he loves you and that he's coming back for you, that makes you a believer. That makes you a Christian. And despite what the denomination teaches as a whole, I'm, ho- I'm hoping I'm helping somebody. And the, despite what the denomination teaches as a whole, there's pockets of believers in every single denomination. So let's not be judgmental concerning that. G. Campbell Morgan said, the more spiritual a man becomes, the less denominational he becomes. Verse 11, we're coming in for a landing. But one, and look at verse 11. But one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. The Holy Spirit determines who has what gift. Each one individually, y'all looking at verse 11? Each one individually what? As he wills. The distribution of the gifts of the Spirit is entirely up to him. You can't go to a seminar to get a gift, and you can't take the gift test. Y'all remember that? People are taking a gift test. People ask me, Pastor Rodney, you gonna, are you going to give the gift test so we can find out what the gift? I'm like, no. I haven't even seen the gift. What is the gift test? What is this? It's you take a test to find out what your gifts of the spirit are. That doesn't make sense. You do something natural to find out something spiritual. It doesn't make sense. You can't take a test to find out what your gifts are. God distributes the gift to each man as he wills, as he wants to, and notice the words to each. Every born again believer in this room is an each. I'm an each, you're an each. Pastor Nelson's an each. Pastor Kevin's an each. Not sure about Pastor Matt. To to each. You know, I love you. That's my pick on you. (laughs) To each. That means your gift is suited for you. As a Christian, you have a spiritual gift. And the question is, are you using it? Are you developing them 
for something God can use and for the edification of the body of Christ, God can make the insignificant significant. God can take a little and make much. Things that have no value in the world can become valuable in the hand of God. Listen at this story as I close. Listen close. I want you to give me your attention. The master's hand, the touch of the master's hand. Thus battered and scarred, the auctioneer thought it scarcely worth his while to auction off the old violin, but he held it up with a smile. What am I to bid for the old violin? Who started bidding for me? One dollar, one, who make it two? Two dollars, who make it three? Going for three, but no, from far back in the room, a gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow, wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening up the strings. He played a melody, pure and sweet, as sweet as angel sings. The auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, What am I to bid for the old violin? As he held it up with a bow. One thousand, one, who make it two? Two thousand, who make it three? Three thousand once, three thousand twice. Gone. Going gone, said he. The people cheered, but some of them cried. We don't quite understand. What changed his worth? Quick came the reply. The touch of the master's hand. Many a man with a life out of tune, torn and battered by sin, is auctioned off to a thoughtless crowd, much like that old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a drug, a game. He travels on. He's going once. He's going twice. He's going. He's going. He's almost gone. And then the master comes and the thoughtless crowd can never quite understand the worth of a soul and the miracle that's wrought by the touch of a master's hand. God can take the insignificant and make it significant. God can take ashes and make something beautiful. God can take little and make it much. The little boy's lunch. Two fish, five loaves of bread, fed 15 plus thousand people. God takes little and he makes it much with his touch. So your gift. Sometime God will give you a gift and, you know, you might think it's insignificant. You know, well, just me, it's just a little gift. Listen, your little gift is important to the whole of the body of Christ. You might think, you know, you, you take your great toe, for example. Your great toe, although it's little, for most of us, is little. What'd you get on a sermon day? The great toe is little. Hallelujah. It's little, often in the dark, smelly and sweaty. Amen. But it is an important part of the body of Christ. And it's an important part of your body. Because without your great toe, you will fall over. You need your great toe. Say amen. You need to thank the Lord you have it. You need it. So you might look at it and think it's insignificant and it's small and always in the dark and always sweaty and smelly and it doesn't know it. Listen, whatever your gift is, no matter how small or no matter how great, it is important in the whole of the body. And that's what 1 Corinthians is teaching us. Little becomes much when you place it in the master's hand. Don't think you're insignificant. Don't think the pastor is 
up here and you're down there. My pastor told me one time, he said, there are no little, no big eyes and little U's in the church. No big eyes and little U's. Everybody's the same. I'm no different than you are. No pastor is different than you are. And I don't care what titles before his name. Apostle, prophet. What else? Bishop. Yeah, Bishop. Oh, Lord. We're going to leave that alone. We're going to leave that. That's way too close to Raleigh. We're going to leave that alone. We'll leave that alone. All right. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Get what your title is. Everybody trying to see Jesus the same. And everybody got to stand before the Lord the same. And everybody put their pants on one leg at a time. We're all the same. Trying to be what God wants us to be. And use the gifts that God has given us to someday stand before the Lord and hear, well done, a good and faithful servant. Enter now into the joy of the Lord. That's what we're trying to hear. Don't make it more than what it is. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.